I am Bishop Robert Cruz, the Bishop of the Diocese of Rapid City. In late May of 2015, the Diocese of Rapid City began an envisioning process meant to assist in clearly defining a course for ministry for the diocese for the next three to five years. The outcome of this process would help to strengthen and focus the resources of the diocese so that more effective ministry could be carried out in building up the church in western South Dakota. From this planning process came the diocesan priority plan, outlining a carefully defined mission statement to serve as the foundation. It also produced a set of core values that guides how we conduct ourselves as a diocese, a five-year vision statement to direct our goals, three major priorities for the diocese with supporting goals, and goals for the foundational ministries of the church in western South Dakota. In July of 2016, I completed a pastoral letter entitled Through Him, With Him, and In Him, a spiritual guide to the diocesan priority plan. This document clearly defines the priority plan, and I have invited and encouraged everyone in the diocese to read and fully engage this pastoral plan so that as our sacred mission states, each of us can do our part in attracting and forming intentional disciples who joyfully, boldly, and lovingly proclaim and live the mission of Jesus Christ, leading to eternal life. What you are about to hear is a reading from Through Him, With Him, and In Him, a spiritual guide for the diocesan priority plan, beginning with the introduction. So we begin with a passage from Mark's Gospel. But they went forth and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word through accompanying signs. As I reflect upon my time as your shepherd, the Bishop of Rapid City, I find myself deeply grateful for the gift of being a part of this diocese. When I came here almost five years ago, I did not know what to expect, much less know of the intricacies of being a bishop. But I felt genuinely welcomed. I found faith that is alive in western South Dakota. I have met many women, men, and young people who have a deep love for the Lord and a desire to share the joy of the gospel. I have witnessed many effective forms of ministry taking place in many locations throughout the diocese. I have also witnessed the challenges that we face in the church in our local diocese, challenges that can be overcome by setting a vision which leads us into a promising future. Since my arrival, many people have heard me say, I want us to move from being a mission diocese to a diocese with a real mission. In other words, we must look to our future with a focused plan that allows us to take the necessary steps that will enable us to be mission-driven and not merely maintenance-driven. Like the first disciples, each of us is called into the mission field to proclaim Christ crucified and risen, living the mission of Jesus Christ leading to eternal life. Christ's mission has been given to each of us in baptism and strengthened again through the sacrament of confirmation. The Lord has promised to be with us always, never depriving us 
of the help necessary to carry out that which has been entrusted to us. Recall the wonderful blessing of of having our Chief Shepherd, Pope Francis, here in the United States for the World Meeting of Families last September. What an honor to have his presence among us as he shared his joyful witness. He came to the United States as a pastor and a prophet, calling the people of this country to conversion and a renewed personal encounter with Jesus Christ. In a homily given at the Cathedral of St. Peter and Paul in Philadelphia, Pope Francis spoke of the story of St. Catherine Drexel, one of the great saints of our country whose life was changed when she spoke to Pope Leo XIII about the needs of the missions. He asked her pointedly, What about you? What are you going to do? These words reminded her that, through baptism, every Christian man and woman has received a mission from Christ himself. Every Christian has a mission to build up the body of Christ, the Church. Pope Francis shared in the same homily, quote, One of the great challenges facing the Church in this generation is to foster in all the faithful a sense of personal responsibility for the Church's mission and to enable them to fulfill that responsibility as missionary disciples, as the leaven of the gospel in our world. This will require creativity in adapting to change situations, carrying forward the legacy of the past, not primarily by maintaining our structures and institutions, which have served us well, but above all by being open to the possibilities which the Spirit opens up to us and communicating the joy of the gospel daily and in every season of life. End of quote. After five years as your bishop, it is still my great desire for ours to become a diocese with a real mission. There are many wonderful pastoral initiatives going on in the diocese at this time. With the addition of the Terra Sancta Retreat Center, opportunities for spiritual growth have increased exponentially for clergy and lay people alike. Perpetual adoration at the Cathedral of Our Lady of Perpetual Help and expanded opportunities for adoration in other churches in the diocese have been a real blessing, and I am confident this devotion will bear great fruit. Our stewardship process has been moving forward across the diocese and has had a positive impact. Parishes have been diligent in raising the level of hospitality, thus creating more inviting faith communities. The Lay Ministry Formation Program, which trains lay leaders for parish ministry, continues to be a valued resource in the diocese. The development of the Veritatis Splendor Institute has proven beneficial for training of catechists and for the lay faithful who desire to grow in their faith and be formed more deeply as disciples of Jesus Christ. And the list goes on. But while we are doing many great things in the diocese and providing many opportunities for people to grow in their faith and step out in mission, it is important that all of our efforts are coordinated toward a more comprehensive vision for the whole diocese. This is why we began an envisioning process in late May 2015. What we have done in the past has served us well and will continue to serve us. But an envisioning process creates new possibilities which the Holy Spirit opens up to us and sets a clear course in communicating the joy of the gospel. 
The chief goal of this envisioning process was to help set a clearly defined course for ministry in the diocese for the next three to five years and to strengthen and focus our resources so that we may more effectively carry out this ministry. With this pastoral letter, a document meant to clearly outline the priority plan of the Diocese of Rapid City, I invite us as a local church to engage and fully embrace this plan so that as our sacred mission states, we can attract and form intentional disciples who joyfully, boldly, and lovingly proclaim and live the mission of Jesus Christ leading to eternal life. I urge every priest, every deacon, every religious, every member of the faithful, every father, every mother, every young adult, every high school student, every college student, every grandparent and single adult, all of us to adopt the core values and the pastoral priorities outlined in the priority plan of the Diocese of Rapid City. If these values become the focus of our lives as individuals, as families, as parishes, as a diocese, we will move from being a mission diocese to a diocese with a mission. We will move from being maintenance-driven to mission-driven. We will more completely live the mission of Jesus Christ. I leave you now with a few reflection questions. What has been my experience of the church in my parish? How have I participated in the life of the church? How would I like to see the church move forward in the next few years? What would the perfect church experience look like for me? How can we, the church, change the world? Let us now move into our panel discussion. We have a distinguished uh, group of people here to share in the conversation uh, regarding this introduction in chapter one of uh, Through Him, With Him, and In Him. And I would invite them to um, introduce themselves at this time. Hi there, I'm JC Moran. Um, I'm married to Patrick Moran and we have two daughters and we attend Blessed Sacrament Church. I am uh, Deacon Jim Van Loan. I also go to Blessed Sacrament Church. Um, been married 52 years, have six children and 13 grandchildren. My name is Ed Lee, and my wife and I are members of Blessed Sacrament. Uh, we have one son, and um, glad to be just recently moved back to Rapid City after being gone for about five years. Great. Well, welcome to all of you. We have a Blessed Sacrament contingency <laughs> for this conversation. That's great. You know, the, when we did this pastoral planning, we, you know, the, the, what came out of that was, was a new mission statement for the diocese. And let's, let me read that real quickly. We, the Diocese of Rapid City, through the power of the Holy Spirit, are called to attract and form intentional disciples who joyfully, boldly, and lovingly proclaim and live the mission of Jesus Christ, leading to everlasting life. So this is who we are called to be. This is the life that we are called to live as Catholics um, in the Diocese of Rapid City. And this kind of, let's throw this out. What does it mean to you to joyfully, boldly, and lovingly proclaim the mission of Jesus Christ? Would any, any of you want to respond to that? I always, uh, when I am addressing an issue, something that comes up, I always think, what would, you, what would Jesus do? 
that's, it seems to be the simplest way for me to try to process um, what I should do and handle that. And his whole mission was peace and unity, and that's what I try to strive for. And I think we, as we can encourage others to do that, we end up being more of a community and more impactful as we go through our future. I've been blessed as being a deacon in this diocese for nine years now, and I suppose one of the things that I've witnessed, I've pretty much been a, a member of this diocese all my life, but what I've really experienced lately is it isn't just the church meeting the spiritual needs, but the material needs, such as Catholic social service, etc., which is an important part of Catholic life as well. I guess I would just add to being a, a mom of young, two little young girls, like I, I just want to be a disciple for them and I want to put Jesus in their heart so they're raised the next generation to be followers of Christ and um, I just need to be bold with how I parent and I'm raising those two girls. Okay, great. You know, Pope Francis, um, in one of his homily, he, um, this is what he said. I'm just going to quote him on this because I th and then have us respond to this. Um, he says, one of the greatest challenges facing the church in this generation is to foster in all the faithful a sense of personal responsibility for the church's mission and to enable them to fulfill that responsibility as missionary disciples as the leaven of the gospel in our world. Now, I know at least growing up Catholic, you know, I've been Catholic my whole life, went to you know, Catholic schools and, and it seems more prior to becoming a priest, it was always kind of thought of, well, it's, it's, this is kind of like the priest's responsibility, you know, to do all the stuff in the church, right? And, but that's changed, I think. I think maybe not with everyone, but how would you, you know, someone came up to you and said, well, you know, that's fine, but it's really, it's not the role of the lay people to do the priest stuff. So why should they be involved in, in proclaiming the gospel? Isn't that the priest's job? How would you respond to them? Yeah, I've heard that too. I mean, I think people do wonder, you know, but we're all, the gospel tells us we're all called to be disciples of Christ and that means we all need to go out. And, um, you know, I just know Father Hofer at Blessed Sacrament is really excited about that too for getting all of us involved um, with Life Teen that we started to get the next generation to be able to get them to go to college and be disciples and push that next generation out and... Um, yeah, I mean, the gospel tells us it, so we ought to do it. I don't know. One of the things that I've noticed, um, again, my experience primarily is with Blessed Sacrament, at least of recent years, is there's hardly a day or evening that goes by that you don't see the parking lot full of people. And it's people who really are fulfilling Christ's message in so many different ways. I think there's something in the neighborhood of 20 to 25 different organizations that comprise Blessed Sacrament. So that really, I think, is showing people living their faith. My wife and I um, felt compelled to uh, go through the lay ministry program because we see all the work that the church can do and the priest can only do so much. And so they were doing pulled so many different directions, many hours of the day, so we felt that we would like to become helpful in that way. So we went through the lay ministry program, became commissioned lay ministers. So um, looking forward to 
ways that we can help and helping wherever we can. Yeah, that's an important and a valuable uh, ministry. I don't want to call it a program because you know, program is kind of, you know, I think it just kind of gives a connotation. I think that's a lay ministry formation. You know, it is a program, but it's really it's a ministry. And and you said you have gone through. How did that change your faith, or how did that change your perspective, or your view of the church, or your um, your your responsibility to be an active, engaged um, member of 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 your parish or or the, or the church itself? Well, I think um, <clears throat> I grew up as a Lutheran, and my wife was grew up as Catholic, and so I, you know, uh, I won't say she drugged me into the church, but she, I was encouraged, and I wanted to support her, so I became more interested in the Catholic Church, went through RCIA, and uh, became, knew more about it, and became a Catholic. But over the years, I felt like there was always a lot more that I needed to know, and so the Commission uh, Lay Ministry Program really helped me understand better what was there, and now I feel much more um, prepared, I suppose, to go out and help and have other people understand the church better and become more active in the church. Anyone else want to respond to that? I don't know if you've gone through the lay ministry or you've gone to the deacon formation program. You've gone. Yeah, I've gone through the lay ministry. That's kind of a journey that I was in a rough spot in my life at that time. And so I sort of went in a little grudgingly, but once I was in there, I found it just an incredible experience of sharing. And it ultimately led me to decide to go into the diaconate. So it was a really rewarding experience. And so there's these, these programs, if you will, or these opportunities, I guess, for um, being renewed in the faith or... Um, being catechized perhaps for the first time. Oftentimes, you know, I, I think we would all agree that we have a church full of uh, sacramentalized people perhaps, but uncatechized, right? They've gone through the sacramental training, they've completed that, but, you know, where does, how is that, um, where does it impact their faith life in the sense of, of really being catechized so that they, they can go out. I think we have to be catechized in order to go out to evangelize, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we can be sacramentalized, but if we're not catechized, we won't be evangelizers. And when the church is very clear, the Holy Father has been very clear, um, not just him, but his predecessors, about all of us are called into the, war, into the work of, of the new evangelization. And so, um, you know, so how has um, being catechized helped you in your own call to be this missionary disciple? Yeah, I guess in my journey, um, I just went through RCA two years ago as well, so I'm newbie to So you're a new, you're a newbie. new Catholic as well. That's I'm great. a newbie. <laughs> um, but I've been a Christian my whole life, and so what was so wonderful about RCA um, was learning a lot of misconceptions I've had about the Catholic faith and just kind of growing my, um, combining kind of my a lot of Bible knowledge, but also learning traditions through the church and um, just kind of coming to a fuller understanding of that. But also um, the beauty thing with that too is my husband went through it with me and he's been a Catholic his whole life. And he was kind of a, he's a Catholic, but he didn't know why a lot of things. So it was so fun to grow in our marriage, our faith together. And I met some of those beautiful people through RCA that really um, impacted my life in a really deep way. And um, 
and in turn, it's it's just made us more whole as a family, being in church together. We've always had church, but kind of back and forth through our churches. Um, but um, programs like RCAA change change a lot of people, especially even if you're a Christian and just want to learn the Catholic faith. Man, it, it really taught me some stuff I thought that was misconceptions about the Catholic Church that really was really good to learn. What, what led you to the Catholic faith? My husband. Okay. He's Catholic, and I'm, I'm non-denominational, and so just um, wanting to be one at church and partake in the Eucharist. Um, and my girls, I wanted to know if they were going to go to church here, what, what they're going to be told in their Sunday school classes. And um, so that's what led me was ultimately I want to be my husband too at church okay. <laughs> and not sit in the pew every time he goes up. It's <laughs> very similar you know, scenario to my wife and I. She went yeah. through RCI when I went through as well and she learned so much about it. She's been Catholic all her life, but I wouldn't say they were back pew sitters, but they, you know, I think there are a lot of Catholics that are out there that, that appreciate the faith and are faithful, but and they would like to do more, but they aren't sure how to do that or don't feel like they're worthy to do that. And so I think that's part of our calling and opportunity is to encourage them to come forward and get involved. I know when I was in a parish priest, I, um, I did all the teaching in RCI because it was the most fun thing in my ministry. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. But it was amazing the number of sponsors that would... You know, it was required that the sponsors that really, you know, they're, they're partner with their candidates and they would come to all the sessions. And I mean, they, it was amazing. They're like, their eyes are so wide open. They said, wow, wow, how come we have never learned this before? Or, you know, this is something, this is new to me. You know, I've learned more being a sponsor than I've learned my whole 12 years of Catholic education or whatever it might be. And so I, it really is. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful opportunity if you can to be, become a sponsor because you'll learn things about your faith that will not only astound you, but will transform you. I mean, that's what's been my experience, and at least the experiences of the people that have, have shared that with me. Um, so, so if you were, um, you know, if you think about your parish, or think about your own church experience, your own faith life, and we're all called to go out to be evangelized and but we're, you know, we need to be catechized first. So the Holy Spirit needs to transform us before we can go out and be the living presence of Christ in the world today. Um, how have you experienced the Holy Spirit in your own life that, that's enabled you to take that step into the world of evangelization? I mean, it's hard. That's a, that's a tough step for many people. And people can feel like they've experienced the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit does lead us into the world to be the living presence in an in a, in a, in evangelistic way. So what's been your experience of the Holy Spirit that's, 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 that's called you out of your comfort zone, if you will, in, in, into the world of, of, of evangelizing others? Now, again, speaking for myself, I guess I, <clears throat> I see so many things happen throughout my life. I have truly God's actions and um, I can't explain them any other way, even though I might have tried, but, uh, you know, it truly was God's actions, and it was the Spirit working through me and in me, and through that, I felt a responsibility to try to tell others about it, 
witness, I guess, as you would expect. And it's difficult to do because you know everybody uh, responds differently to somebody who's witnessing um, Christ. And so, uh, but it, I feel like it's my job to do that. And that through that, they might get exposed and, and um, become more involved themselves. I suppose, you know, reflecting on my life that I've discovered that there were unexplainable circumstances that occurred, such as, let's say, a, a job out of the blue that totally changed the way I thought and the way I worked and my philosophy of life. And so that has just continued to, to proceed by other events all the way up into the lay ministry and the diaconate that the Holy Spirit is patient but persistent. And so it seems that sometimes you can resist His will, but eventually He finds ways to get through. Yeah, I, I would say similar to what you guys have shared too, like it's it's just something you can't describe when it happens and that actually happened to me too right the night before RCA. That weekend we had to make the decision if we wanted to really go through it over Easter weekend and um, you know, he used sometimes people and I had someone from Cathedral actually call me and it changed everything because I know it was God's words. Like there's just stuff she couldn't know why she was calling and I mean it was it brought me to my knees and I knew it was okay to move forward and so the Holy Spirit there's just sometimes people he'll use and, and you just know it's him because it's unexplainable <laughs> you know the oftentimes people have a notion of what a vocation is obviously a vocation to marriage a vocation to the priesthood a vocation to the permanent diaconate. There's a vocation to the single life, and let me share with you what what, what uh, Saint uh, Pope John Paul II he wrote in this Apostolic Exhortation Ecclesia in America. And just a little line here because it, it might people may not hear it hear their call in this way. But he says the lay faithful too, or also precisely as members of the church, have the vocation and mission of proclaiming the gospel. They are prepared for this work by the sacraments of Christian initiation and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so, just by the, the mere fact, so it's a vocation for lay people to do this, you know? So somehow it's not just something extra, I don't believe, from your vocation to marriage or your vocation to marriage and the permanent diaconate, but there's a it's a vocation that's part of your vocation, right? What would you, you know, how would you? So you think about your own life as as, as a married person, as a permanent deacon, and also married, obviously. Um, how do how do you? I mean, is it easy for you to see that this is you know to go out and to evangelize as part of your vocation, or is is that kind of like? You know, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? It's part of your vocation. You know, your call. And the word vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, which means to call. You know, you've been called out, in the sense, into the world. You know, in the midst of your, your vocation to live this vocation as well as an evangelizer. Is that hard? What do you think? What do you think about that? I think we must. I think that there are just so many people out there that need this. You know, as we all probably know, that uh, 
Christianity seems to be you know, declining and so forth because people feel like they don't need that, but there are so many things that the Christian life offers that they would be missing out on, and I feel like we need to be able to open their eyes if we can to that, even though, I mean, a lot of them would criticize you for speaking about that and bringing it up and relying on religion, for instance, instead of relying on yourself. The world is so focused on individualism anymore, it seems that I just feel like we need to be out there and let them know that there's so much more that their life could include and have if they would be, you know, would come into the Christian community. Vatican II, I think, said that we are the people of God, which means that we're all responsible for evangelization. And we can do that, obviously, through the way we just conduct our lives. Uh, particularly in a counter-society where sometimes you're almost swimming up a stream in the sense of believing in your faith when there's so much pressure socially to go a different direction. And so it seems to me that that's where prayer and reflection really comes into play here, is that in order to stay centered, you have to have a relationship with Christ. And I guess if <clears throat> I just look at it too, like I believe this in my whole heart that there is, you know, Jesus says there's heaven, <laughs> there's another thing waiting, and I want my friends and family there. Like I, I believe this in it, so I really want that for my, the people I believe that I love. So I, your first question earlier about being joyful and bold, and in our faith, like you bet I will, because I want them. I want to be sharing in that eternal glory. Um, with my with my family and friends and so there's if I believe it there's no reason I I should be afraid to share it or not think it's something I shouldn't do but you only you should do or mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it, it's really who you are and what you believe and so how is it how is that done in, in your lives in a practical way I mean sometimes people get the image of they have this the image of people being in evangelizers, they're standing on the street corner proclaiming <laughs> Jesus as Lord, and you know, do you know Jesus? Do you want to know Jesus? And you know, most people, that would be very uncomfortable um, thing to do. And then, but they, so that means they, they sort of have a kind of a misconception of what being an evangelizer really could be in the lives of every baptized person. You know, so for you specifically, how how does that? If this is a vocation of the lay people as well as, as the clergy, what does that look like in your own life? Can, can you give can you give some examples of, of how you know how you would see you know being an evangelizer as a mother, as a wife, or as a deacon, husband, as a husband, and so on? I think that we we pride our privacy, um, and I think again the spirit moves us sometimes to the point that we moves us into areas that are uncomfortable. So it may be that we come across a situation of someone who lost a very special person and they're in a situation of loneliness and depression, or it could be a family that they've lost their job and now they haven't the support for themselves. I mean, it's, it's, there's so much out there in the sense of need that Jesus is telling us that we need to fulfill, that it's, it really behooves us to try 
to honor that in ways that we think that we have the talent and the resources to do that. I find it very simple in that, um, well, it, it didn't used to be simple, but it's become more simple now in my older age and more comfort maybe, but, you know, as I, I just speak out in these times when I feel like the Spirit is in my life or God has done something that's just kind of totally amazing, it's easy for me to share that with people now. Witness if you would, but I share that and say, I truly believe that was God working in my life. He, brought that person in front of me or he that thing happened because he wanted it to happen you know his work is his will and we do a lot of things outdoors and uh, you look around nature I don't know how you can not believe there's a God when you see the way plants and animals and nature interact so I just feel it's my job to say it out loud and then if they don't if they want to explain it another way that's okay but I think it's uh, pretty difficult to ignore the fact that God works in all our lives in a lot of different ways. I think another practical step to, to evangelizing is <clears throat> just praying for discernment um, so you know God's going to put you where he wants you and then if that's where he wants you he'll he'll make the way and the He'll set it all up for you to just do what he needs done. So um, I, I've seen that in my life with some of the ministries I'm involved in. I would have never guessed I'm involved in a prison ministry in town, and I would have never guessed that's where I'd be. But I love the women that we serve, and it softened my heart. So God's transforming me through the mission too. But um, it's his, it, you know, when you pray for discernment, if that's where you should be, and it's things just keep easily go in that direction, it's probably his will. <laughs> so you ought to do it. <laughs> well, he has a tendency to pull us out of our comfort zones, right? <laughs> yes, he does. Because we won't go there by ourselves, right? We won't come out by ourselves, right? So, so in some way, he has to trick us, I think, into, into saying, oh, I can do this when we think I can't. I mean, you probably never thought, I mean, you're doing prison ministry. That's a beautiful expression of uh, of giving witness to your love for Christ by serving those who are who are incarcerated, who are incarcerated for whatever the reason might be, and um, it's probably not something that you ever envisioned yourself doing. No, but that's what happens, you know. When we when we say, "Lord, yes, I want to be your disciple," as you call me, and do and 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 kind of surrender. In the sense, I'll do wherever I'll go wherever you lead me. You know, not only are our lives transformed, but the the people to whom the Lord sends us, their lives will be transformed, uh, because in the end, it's the Holy Spirit that's working through us to touch the lives of others and bring healing and mercy and 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 so on to others. I mean, it's it really comes it comes to to this a uh, a back to, to really a an invitation to surrender, I think, and not worry about whether I'm equipped. You know, if we are called, the Lord will equip us, right? Isn't that the saying, as the saying goes? If I'm being called, the Lord will equip me. And we should never be afraid to say yes, because the fullness of life in Him is in those moments, you know? But if we say no, put our hands up, you know, I, I don't think I'm ready for this. I don't think I'm good enough for this. I don't know that I know how to do this then just think about how much we miss out on a deeper life in Him, you know. But it happens all the time because people will say no because they don't have time 
or I don't know how to do this, or I don't have the gifts to do this, or whatever the reason might be. I mean, we are all, at least uh, I'll speak for myself, mm-hmm. you know, I'm all, it's, it's easy to be full of excuses, you know. Um, and an excuse will always keep us from receiving this deeper life in Christ, I think. That's been my experience, mm-hmm. you know, not only as a layperson, but even as, as a priest and, and a bishop. It's easy to say no to things, but... You know, the more we say yes to the Lord, the Lord will lead us to places we dare not go, I think, on our own. But we can be sure to, if he leads us, he's going to equip us. But not only that, and I, you would probably have, have had this whole experience, you experience, you experience him with you in those moments as well. So you're not doing it alone. You know, he's right with you by your side, you know, inspiring you, leading you, guiding you, because that's the way the Lord works. The Lord doesn't set us up for failure. He sets us up for success, no? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the way, but it's been my experience, I would suspect. You know, that's been your experience. You know, there's some simple ways, I think, um, that we can help people, that we can be evangelizers without even knowing it. I think it's just our attitude um, toward, you know, a, a positive attitude towards others. I mean, how many of us have been through a checkout lane, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you see somebody that's, and oftentimes it's young people, I think, so growing up in today's world, they seem, at least they look unhappy on the surface, right? And maybe they just hate their job, but, but just to smile at them and call them by name, they all wear name tags, right? You know, and, you know, to call them by name, that means that you've looked at their name tag, you see them, you, you acknowledge them as a human person, and... I've had times I said, you know, smile, Jesus loves you. <laughs> and it does bring a little smile, but it's not, I mean, it's not an overt way of evangelizing, but it's helping them know it's probably maybe oftentimes for the first time someone has said to them that Jesus loves you. And maybe they don't even know who that is, you know, but, and sometimes it can open up for, for more conversation and sometimes not. But in the end, in the end, it's, it's in the end, it's, it's just in, the, in the, that little simple gesture. It's being the living presence of Jesus in their midst. And isn't that what evangelization is about? No? Have there, have, have there been times when you said, no, I can't do this, Lord? You know? I don't want to do this. I'm not equipped for this. I'm afraid of this. Oftentimes we say no because we're, we're afraid. You know? We're afraid. And I think fear is always, it keeps us from doing the will of God. You know, it's, so what's in the fear? You know, why am I afraid of this? You know? And it's usually, it's about me and not about the, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, fear is always inward pointed, I think. I would add to that, I think that we have a feeling that we're not worthy. You know, I mean, and a lot of people in church could and have the skills and obviously God would put the tools in there, in them to be able to do what they're called to do, but we feel that we're not worthy. So we won't volunteer, we won't do this unless we're called to. So I think that's what we all should do is be calling other people to help. Right. We're kind of running out of time for this great panel discussion for today, but I just want to allow each of you to share one last thought and maybe a response uh, you know, to, to, to this question. And then think about it, think about it in, in a very uh, personal way. You know, the question, what is my role in the mission of the church? Yeah, I would say my role is um, to love 
everyone, even the ones, our unbeliever friends who are trying to introduce them to Christ. I just want to be, I just want to be his feet. <laughs> and I'll do where, I'll go where Christ wants me to go. Um, I, I think it's a, a, a circumstance where as a married couple for five decades, um, and some people of course say that um, people who are married live longer, but I heard a priest tell me one time that a parishioner said that only seems like it. <laughs> but in, in honesty, I think what um, both my wife and I play for the diocese that we have for nine years now is to be on the tribunal. And I think the tribunal serves a very special purpose because in many cases, these are people who left the church, possibly left Christ, and now want to return. And so it's so important, I think, to be able to deal with those folks in a way that they can come back and receive sacraments. I think my wife and I have talked about it quite a bit. And we've been married 44 years, so we've got some experience together as well, and a lot of it, a lot of different experiences. But, and I think it, we've decided that we want to be involved. We need to encourage others to be involved, to, and we want to challenge others um, to think about their lives and how much God is in their lives, and utilize our energies and our talents to help where we can. The bottom line for us, but I, I think the church itself is, needs to be inclusive. Um, we need to welcome those that are outside the church to become part of the church. We're in a very challenging time right now in the Catholic Church, and I think we've got great opportunity, and we're badly needed in this world going forward. Great. Well, thank you. Well, thank you, panel. I want to kind of leave us with one last, it's, it really it's, comes out of the Second Vatican Council from the document of the, the Church in the Modern World. And this is really who we're called to be, um, all of us who have been baptized in Christ. But the Church Fathers wrote, the Church seeks but a solitary goal. And the Church means all of us, right? To carry forward the work of Christ under the lead of the befriending spirits. And Christ entered the world to give witness to the truth, to rescue and not to sit in judgment, to serve and not to be served. And of the, all of us who have been baptized in Christ, I mean, obviously this is our vocation, no matter where we are in life, no matter what our state in life is. And when we embrace this fully, then we will truly be those disciples, those intentional disciples, who joyfully, boldly, and lovingly, and proclaim and live the mission of Jesus Christ, leading to everlasting life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.